Hello, Fight Insight fans, viewers, and listeners. I'm your host, as always, Timmy B. And with me today, I've got a special guest co-host, Mr. Chris Martinez. Chris, hello. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? On today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. We're going to talk to, hopefully, a young woman ahead of her Bellator debut in Milan, Italy. We're going to talk about Bobby Green doing drugs accidentally. We're going to talk about someone risking their life for $10,000. And we're going to talk about how there's a certain UFC fighter who definitely owes me 500 bucks, Chris. Now, before you restart the show, guys, like, follow, and subscribe to us as you always do on whatever platform you're hearing or seeing us right now. Please hit the subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff. It really helps us get noticed by people that don't already know about us. Chris, let's get started with the show, my friend. All right. I hit you there with that song. You didn't know it was coming, Chris. I love it, though. Let's do it. <laughs> Chris, thank you for coming, man. Thank you for joining. My uh, co-host for the day ended up having to call in sick. So for those of you that liked Reggie last week, she will be back next week, and we wish that she gets better soon. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. So um, I'm a filmmaker, videographer, whatever you want to call it these days, uh, cinematographer, storyteller. And uh, I've been in the MMA space for about 15 years now. I uh, started shooting guys like uh, Cub Swanson and Uriah Faber years ago when they were rookies. Uh, most recently, I, I just directed a pilot uh, for a show called American Made MMA, starring Tito Ortiz, Quentin Rampage Jackson, and Frank Mir. I'm really proud of it, so check it out wherever you might stumble across it. And uh, I just do a bunch of things, music videos, anything, anything you need. Nice, buddy. And American Made MMA, we had Trap Daddy Gambino on for, you know, fans of the podcast. We've had him on multiple times, and he's going to be on the first episode of American Made MMA. Am I correct? Yeah, there there was a pilot shot, and Trap was was one of our guys, and he's an awesome, uh, awesome fighter with an awesome story. So yeah, I hope man. everybody gets to, gets to see his journey. Yeah, man, that we're so excited for that. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because you're a guy who's knowledgeable in the space and you're more like also like you're in the periphery. You know what I mean? Like you see things from a different angle than a lot of us do. So I'm interested on your takes on some things uh, or all of these things today. <laughs> but uh, all right. First thing I want to talk about is, is Bobby lying? And we're going to talk about my favorite fighter. Like he's got to be one of my top five fighters of all time. Uh, Mr. Bobby Green. Are you a fan of Bobby Green's? I am. I am. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I think the rule of thumb is if someone asks you if you're on drugs, you, you should say no. So you can't <laughs> fault the guy too much. Okay, hold on, hold on. So I'm going to play a small clip, and this was from his Instagram. I put this on my Instagram. I kind of cut up. He released what was, I don't know, like a 30-minute Instagram story where he was just kind of detailing what was going on with him. Uh, just last week, he was deleted off the UFC roster. Now, in investigating, it looks like when someone is hit with a USADA suspension, they do get removed from the rankings. So people thought that he was cut as a result of his USADA suspension, but I don't think that's the case. But I'm going to play this little clip here for you, Chris. I don't know anything about drugs because I don't do drugs. I'm training now. I'm getting ready for my fight. They call me and they go, hey, what have you been taking? You tested, you tested positive for testosterone. 
I'm like, what? What could I be taking wrong, you know? So I take the, I say, hey, come back. Take all the pictures, show them all those bottles. They go, hey, it's that one right there. It's DHEA. That's a banned substance on our list. I had no idea, guys, what I was doing, that it was wrong. But I would never try to cheat. I'm against drugs. I'm, I've never even looked at the site to know uh, what is banned and what is not. Yikes. Yeah. So, Chris, my question is, do you believe him? I mean, he's he's claiming uh, that he didn't know better. So, I mean, it's hard to say if that's something you believe or not. But, I mean, that last line is, is what doesn't sit right. You know, if you're an athlete and you're doing this at the highest level, I mean, it's your job to, to look and to know. And you shouldn't be putting anything in your body that you don't know what's going on at that level. You know, so it's tough to say. But it's I mean, we've heard it on this podcast. You've heard it on other podcasts. You've heard Dana White talk about it. You've heard, you know, the Golden Snitch talk about it. Everybody, they say anything you're going to input into your body, call USADA. We're here for you. We will tell you if it's okay. Even if it's an over-the-counter protein powder, like if you just go like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, GNC's generic protein powder, you call them and you say like, hey, is there any problem with this protein powder? And they will tell you. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy to me that one of the best lightweights in the world has never looked at the USADA website. <laughs> like he just never looks. I know. I know. So what, what happens to him from here what are what's the process well so here's kind of the bs is that he pops for it he pops dude i mean if you believe his story which i have no reason to believe he's lying because the guy the guy i mean if you watch his instagram he's a very real dude his life seems kind of sad i i hate saying that but like he always seems like he's kind of like with girl troubles or just life troubles you know um but he essentially says he bought it over the counter he didn't know when the guys said he popped for something, he showed them everything. And then they said, Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like they right away, they recognized the bottle and said, well, you can't be taking that. And he goes, Oh crap. I didn't know. Mm. But they, but they backdate his suspension to when he got, I guess when like they did the blood work or whatever. So it ends up being a six month suspension, which is backdated to the date of the thing. So in reality, the suspension isn't that long. But it just taints your your career. You know what I mean? Like, you never want to be known as that guy that got hit for that. You've been around. Here, here's a question for you. You've been around fighters. You're behind the scenes, Chris. Yeah. When I, when I type stuff online and I go, ah, shit, that sucks. I'm sure Bobby did it accidentally. There is a flood of comments that will say all these fighters are on stuff. Every fighter is on drugs. Every fighter is cheating. Chris, confirm or deny that. Uh I don't think every fighter's cheating, but I think it, it goes to show the amount of pressure these guys are under that, you know, if if someone as talented as, as these guys are still looking for an edge, still looking for over-the-counter stuff to give them, you know, extra help training and stuff, there's no magic pill that's going to make you a, an awesome fighter. They got to go in there and handle business, but look at what lengths they're willing to go for for that just extra edge you know and 
someone like Bobby gets probably caught in the crosshairs. You know, he wasn't trying to cheat, but he was still, you know, not just eating his Wheaties and, and drinking water and saying his prayers, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's... I, I know, I know uh, Tito had an issue with his last fight over, you know, something that was prescribed to him, you know, to help him sleep, you know, and, 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 and he makes sure everything is, is by the book, you know, so yeah. it can happen, but, you know, it's, it's probably a tough sport to be in. And sometimes life is tough and sad for these guys. You know, it's not always fight night and it's not always a win and it's not always a party. You know, they're, they're training hard They're They go through everything we go through, but they have yeah. everyone watching them, you know, win or lose. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope he bounces back. I hope everything gets straightened out. Yeah, man. It, it's tough for the dude. Like I love him, and I hope this doesn't, you know, derail him. I hope this doesn't like, depress him or anything like that i hope he's just able to focus train and then get back to it and come back kick some ass get another performance of the night like i love bobby green you know what i mean and it really seems like he did it accidentally but i did just want to put it out there that god damn it look at the website bobby yeah yeah and for (laughs) that's insane look at the website make sure check everything call usada call whatever like for any fighter if you're in this Figure this shit out. You know what I mean? You cannot be making dumb mistakes like this. Like that's yeah. crazy. And it goes, uh, it goes for it goes for anybody who's running their own business, man. Make sure you get things in writing. Make sure you, you know, do your homework. Cause if it's your business, it's your life and, and it's your job to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's right, man. Very, very well said. Yeah, because it's just a lesson for life. Right. Lesson. Like we we've all been there. We've all, yeah. you know messed up yeah. at work and then later said man i shouldn't have done that or you know i could do better next time so we're all yeah yeah that. exactly exactly uh now let's go to a guy who literally cheated his way to a ufc title and you know was essentially unrepentive for it never really cares but we're talking about mr tj dillashaw he fought last weekend at ufc 280 chris my parlay was all hitting Oh, I was man. I was on the verge of making, you know, big money. And then TJ goes out there and his arm falls out of the socket on the first takedown, which was not like a heavy slam to the arm or anything like that. Like it wasn't, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Aljo, but that arm popped out because it was going to pop out. I'm going to put a little uh, clip up here of Dana White. This is what he was quoted today on MMA Junkie as saying, uh dana white says i had no idea that's a problem he was in great shape it's not like he came in out of shape looked like he was injured or whatever but that's something he should have told us in the post-fight interview tj dillashaw says my arm popped out of the socket 20 times during training he never tells anyone he says that he told the ref before they went out to fight hey my arm's gonna pop out of the socket don't stop it because of that because i'll just pop it in later chris your thoughts and comments on TJ's choice to fight here with this injury? Ah, uh, the little snake in the grass, right? TJ. Yeah. Messed you up on your parlay. How many people bet on this guy thinking he's coming in ready to fight? It's one thing, you know, hey, it's always a pick em, right? But if you're that injured, you're essentially screwing over so many people that bet on you because they think that you're going in there honestly to compete. There is no way this guy thought he was going to win that fight. Right, Chris? Man, I don't know. I, I mean, he 
he was in shape and he was working hard and he did look great. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Frank Mir and I heard him talking about, uh, when he did a boxing match and he had a messed up shoulder, you know, he didn't go into it thinking he wasn't going to win. He, he thought he was going to find a way to get the job done, you know? And, uh, so it's weird. I don't necessarily think TJ didn't think he could win, but, um, you know, I've, I've also heard every fighter through their camp gets hurt. You know, they all go into the fight hurt from camp and, you know, they're trying to provide for their family. Yeah. Like, yeah, betters. Yeah. The game and, you know, fans and everything. But I mean, you got a job to do tomorrow's a job and you hurt your toe tonight. You're not going to tell the boss, Hey, I can't work. You're going to show up, you know? Yeah. But if through the course of your fight camp, your arm falls out of the socket 20 times, 20 times, Chris, 20 times your arm pops out of the socket. That means you're not giving it any time to heal, any time to rehab that arm, strengthen the muscles around the joint, get it locked in there. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Dana's probably a little hurt too, because, uh, you know, TJ has been there so long and they have a relationship. Like he had the leverage to say, Hey, I got to pull out, you know, like he still would have got his shot, you know, whatever it may be. So on a professional, you know, man to man, there was probably some, you know, shady behavior there, but you, yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you piss off the boss. You piss off the company. You piss off the fans. Yeah. Here's here's something. Aljo's win is kind of tainted. Like sure. I I feel really bad for Aljo because I love Aljo. Sure. I've made lots of money on Aljo in the past. <laughs> but but you know even this win now is like okay yes he won of course you did it but right. you there's no way you can look back and go yeah I beat a prime D- TJ. Or, or even like a, a 90% TJ. And I appreciate what you're saying. Like if I was to go into a boxing fight one-armed, but right. he was going in, he's going in to fight a wrestler slash jujitsu expert. That arm is kind of important. Like you can't just jab your way past a wrestler. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, like terrible. And then Chris, I'm going to go back to something that came out last week. We talked about it on the podcast. I don't know if you saw this. I'm going to put this again on the screen. This is where the UFC released a document just the week prior to UFC 280 banning fighters, their coaches, and their teams from betting on UFC fights. Chris, I love conspiracies here, my friend. I think they put this out because they knew TJ's team was betting the farm on Aljo. Man. Uh you got to show me some proof, but I've always wondered, <laughs> I've always wondered what stops stuff like that. You know, like I'm man, this is a wild sport and it, you know, it's grandfather is like, you know, professional wrestling and, and these, these sports that are mixed with, you know, politics and backroom deals and boxing's history. It's like, how, how are we supposed to believe that that doesn't exist in this, you know, new world? Well, okay, and here's the thing. Last week when I talked about it with Reggie, and it was a great podcast, so if if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this one now, go back and listen to our last week's episode because Reggie and I break it down pretty good. But at the time, we're saying, you know, it doesn't make sense because really no UFC fighter would throw it because that's their career or whatever. But this is the scenario that fits perfectly because, Chris, I don't think TJ threw Mm -hmm. the fight. I don't think he's going in there to throw the fight. But I think if I'm training with a dude every day 
and his arm keeps falling out of the socket. Yeah. I would then have the knowledge to go, wait, and he's still going to fight Aljamain Sterling? Hold on, let me go place a bet. Like, that's that's where you're talking. Like, you've got insider knowledge then to go like, okay, TJ's arm keeps falling out of the socket. I'm pretty convinced this guy is going to lose. I'm not saying anything was unbecoming. I don't think TJ did it on purpose. I don't think he lost on purpose. But I think anybody in his inner circle would have known that the likelihood of him winning was so minute with that kind of arm to the point where you're telling the ref right before the fight, Hey, my arm's going to fall out of the socket. I think then that this is why this friggin' betting thing comes in. Like what are the, what are the odds that this would come in at this kind of time? That's so coincidental. If not. Yeah. I mean, if we're still giving Pete Rose a hard time, you know, I don't think fighters in their camps should, should be able to participate in, you know, the gambling side of things. Yeah, and so they did raise it to Dana. After, I think it was post-pay-per-view. Uh, I think there were some um, uh, members of the media that asked him about this and stuff like that. Right. And Dana said, no, this is, hey, we're a professional sport, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can't be doing that. But I didn't see one media person ask him, hey, do you think TJ's whole team bet on, on Aljo for this fight knowing that he was injured? Like, I would have loved if someone asked that. Right. They probably would have got escorted out of the building immediately for like even suggesting something like that. But come on, man, that is crazy to me. I lost $500 on my parlay. Now, he might have mm. not won even at 100%, but I would have had a lot better chance. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. terrible. So, I mean, so if did you, you did you see the did you see the clip of him earlier in the week wrestling his training partner, a TJ, slamming him? Yeah, I did see that. So you think you think that was them trying to cover up the shoulder and show him, you know, being a little dominant? I don't know, man. They said that uh, they said that he did not partake in any videos for Embedded. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't watch Embedded for uh, for this pay per view. So, but they said he was he didn't t- partake in anything for Embedded. Mm-hmm. He was very hidden away. Didn't take part in the open workouts. I think maybe mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. I mean, he he did admit to saying, yeah, when I when I was speaking to him, I was saying like, oh, I'm just going to strike you. I'm going to strike you. And he said I was trying to lure him into a striking match because I knew I couldn't wrestle or, or do jujitsu. Right. Here's here's the last question I'm going to ask you, Chris. Is it the ref's responsibility to report to Dana UFC officials and go, hey, this dude just told me his arm keeps falling out. Why would the ref not? What is the ref's responsibility then? Would you know that? I've been I've been back uh, in the locker room when the ref is there, you know, checking out the fighters, and mm-hmm. seems like there's a bit of you know confidence between fighter and and ref. You know, I've never seen anything you know uh, unethical, but there's certainly time for people to say things under their breath and you know uh, get a little understanding between each other so i don't i don't doubt tj said that i don't doubt the ref you know acknowledged it and uh i mean because the ref saw it the ref the ref saw his arm pop out and i was surprised that the ref didn't even at least put a pause to the action and who, who was the ref was it jason who's the ref i don't know i can't remember yeah. i i, I want to say goddard but i don't think it was i don't know okay. either uh, way I, I, yeah Either way, I'm surprised that the ref knew. And then I'm wondering, like, okay, is Dana going to admonish that ref and go, hey, dude, 
if you hear shit like that in the back, you have to tell us because that's the safety of the fighter. You can't yeah. let a guy go out there with one arm. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. So what are you going to do right there? What what was he supposed to do? I don't know. I th- I think the ref has to go tell someone and go, hey, look, this guy, his arm keeps falling out. He just told me it's going to keep falling out. And he told me to not stop the fight when his arm falls out. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know. There's got to be some sort of governing body that's going to help him make a call on that. But I mean, I think I think maybe the refs also just give these guys a little leeway to say their piece before they go out there. Because I mean, so what are you saying? You're telling the ref to not do his job, not call the fight when something, you know? So he's kind of just like, yeah, I hear it from everyone. Don't, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Let me do this. Let me do that. And. I guess, but then when he sees it pop out, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he did, it, he let it go. He did keep letting it go. Yeah. The the other thing that TJ said is he said, I held up the division. I do agree with that. I think he's probably pissed off a bunch of fighters in the division because he could have just said, hey, I can't fight right now. I need to do some rehab. I'm going to sit this one out. And then guess what? Your buddy, the guy that you did videos for, Cheeto Vera, would have easily stepped up to take that fight, rightfully so. Right? Definitely. Yeah. You've met Cheeto uh, Cheeto Vera. How cool of a dude is he? Cheeto's great. Cheeto's great. I met him through uh, Jason Perillo, who's also Tito's coach. So Tito and Cheeto uh, work out at in uh, in uh, Cosa Mesa. So, uh, yeah, Cheeto's a a down dude. I don't think he's afraid to fight anyone. You know, as are a lot of these fighters from other parts of the world. It's so much a part of their culture, a part of their upbringing to throw hands and, you know, not be afraid. So, uh, yeah, I documented his uh, fight camp leading up to the Sean O'Malley fight. And that was pretty cool. Cause I, I got to witness, you know, someone going from somewhat under the radar to becoming a, you know, pretty mainstream name. So I was proud to be a part of that journey in my own small way. It's called uh, vamos Cheeto. You can check it out on his YouTube. It's still up. So check it out. Give it a like, you know, Tell him you yeah. want to see more. Yeah, man, definitely. That's awesome. Uh, and next time you talk to Cheeto, tell him that the Fight Insight podcast is happy to have him. Man, I got to talk to that dude one day. Um, sure. Yeah, no. So anyways, and and when you do see TJ, tell him he owes me 500 bucks. So, I will. Like, I can't <laughs> I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. That is, that is bonkers to me. Um, but the conspiracy is there for me. I feel like this whole betting thing is definitely based on TJ. There's no way that they just forgot to put this right. rule into the fighter's code of conduct for, like, 25 years. And just the week that they put it in, boy, oh, boy, does something not come out that seems like a bunch of people could have made a bunch of money on that. Right. Uh, so a, a theory I kind of have, we, you say conspiracy theories, I, you know, I, I don't wear a tinfoil hat or anything, but, you know, uh, we, we spoke a little bit behind the scenes about wrestling. You know, we both kind of have a, a fandom of wrestling in the past and they have a term called a kayfabe, which is kind of like the mafia's like Cosa Nostra. That means like our thing, you know, kayfabe is like, you know, the secret world of wrestling that you got to be inducted into to, to even be a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I've come to the conclusion MMA has a kayfabe too. There's there's just <laughs> not a word for it and they're just not open about it, but there's, there's, you know, a lot that goes on that, you know, maybe hardcore marks could connect the dots and say, how come this is always kind of works out like wrestling? How come, you know, the, the way the champions are rotated, the way, you know, fight cards are set up, the, the narratives, 
production, the, you know, the storytelling. So, um, there's definitely something there, you know, Chris, keep digging. Go, keep digging. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, yeah, man, Chris, go back to a few cards ago when they changed all four of the fights on the day before, like when Kamzat missed weight, right. Chris, there is no way in hell that those fighters did not know that that change was going to happen before that day. I'm telling you there's no, because no reason why any of them would have signed those contracts to fight worse opponents, worse matchups, whatever the day before right. when they were all doing it to fix that one guy's fight, everybody else weighed in properly. Right. Like you did not need to do that. Right. Did, like the Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. And then the fact that it became a card better than the card that was supposed to be. It, yeah. It, Dude, don't tell me that was coincidence. That was baloney too. Uh, let's get off this before UFC cancels me. I'm trying to get. On, I, I'm trying to get this uh, podcast on Fight Pass, Chris. So that's what yeah, I yeah. do. All right. Well, I just I met Dana. I met Dana last month in Vegas. So uh, um, I'm, I'm right with you. Let's let's stay on track. Get, yeah, dude. Yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. I'll edit all this out. So it's just us oh, saying yeah. wonderful things. Yeah. Uh, Last uh, last thing we'll talk about before we go, Chris, and I really appreciate having you on, my friend. Uh, oh, man, it's fun. Thanks. This little news blip that was here. I was on honeymoon for three weeks, so like I've. That's why some of these stories are going to be a little bit old for people. But I wanted to talk about this one here. It says 10K and you will be in my corner. A UFC fighter seeks sponsorship, promising better seat than Dana White, behind the scenes visits, and more. Did you hear this story when it came out, Chris? I haven't, but I, I like what I hear. <laughs> okay, so this is a UFC fighter, and I apologize. Let me find out who it was. Uh, it's a UFC fighter who's essentially saying, hey, look, the sponsorship stuff that we deal with has been really sucked away from us. I got to do this Venom deal, blah, 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 right? Wear the crappy rock right. shoes. And uh, I can't make a lot of money. So here's what I'm going to do. You pay me $10,000, you can take one of my corner man spots. You'll walk me to the cage, you'll be in my corner, you will uh, be there for all the signings, the behind the scenes, the media day stuff. Like you'll just be there with me the whole time, but you pay me 10 grand. Right. I don't think there's anything the UFC can do to stop this because sure. people, you know, because people have had their wives or their girlfriends, right? Mm -hmm. Mike Perry, Bam Bam Barbarina bring their wives to the ring. Those, those girls do not have their coaches coaching license or anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, right. uh, new Mansa brought commander Dale Brown to the cage with him like earlier in the year. Right. So you're allowed to bring randoms. <laughs> so what do you think about this, Chris? You're going to auction off your spot of your, uh, corner man. Well, I have been a random before. Okay. So, <laughs> so before this was mainstream news, your boy Chris Martinez did it and and kept it under the radar because uh, the last fight I covered for Tito, uh, you know, uh, even though I was close with uh, Campbell McLaren, the promoter of uh, Combate Americas, there's still rules, you know. So I wasn't one of the official production guys. I was one of Tito's guys. So when it came to me figuring out how I was going to, you know, be cage side, be in the cage, uh, it wasn't working out my way with the, with the promotion. So I said, you know, Tito, you got to do something. And they gave him, I don't know how many wristbands for coaches and he slapped one of those bad boys on me. And, and that was all <laughs> she wrote. 
Dude, that's awesome. That's so funny. And then so then you're the you're the corner man, but then you've just always got your camera on you, which hey, a yeah. bunch of them do anyways. Right. And so, you know, Tito choked out Alberto Del Rio in the first round, but had there been a round two, I would have been in there with my camera. I would have been, you know, all up in it. So um definitely I would say my guy has a great idea, but he should make it an auction starting at ten thousand. Or mm. he needs to raise the price next time because depending on the card you're on, depending on the fight, the location, that's that's a $10,000 experience easy for somebody. And 10000 might seem like a lot for, for us normal people, but trust me, there's people out there that that's, that's just a night out, you know? Yeah. And they, they're yeah. still going to take their private plane. They're still going to eat. They're still going to, you know, get hotels and stuff. So twenty thirty, let's 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 keep it pushing. I like this. I think more people, more fighters should do stuff like this. I like it, Chris. The fighter, the fighter in question is Mike Davis. He is Mike. a uh, UFC fighter. He's on a three-fight win streak. Most recently, on October first, he beat uh, Borshev. Uh, he had a fight at the night two fights ago. Yeah, he's a he's a featherweight fighter. Um, I believe featherweight fighter, light sorry lightweight fighter uh, in UFC. And uh, yeah, man, dude's a good guy. We actually have him scheduled to come on the podcast. So I'm going to talk to him, you know, about whatever fight he's got coming up, but definitely going to bring this up. And Chris, I'm going to now tell him, don't short yourself out on the 10 K. Not at all. Not at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, it seems like a great idea. I know fighters have always complained about, you know, getting their, their shirts taken away where they can't wear their sponsors. And this is a, an awesome way to substitute that. Yeah. Now, I don't know. You know, it's funny because that article came out and then he last fought on October 1st and he won. So wait a second. I don't know if this article now, if he would have then had the guy come out already. I think well, maybe. so. Yeah, because this article was September 25th. So that must have been for his October 1st fight. Anyways, I'll find out, dude. We're going to have him on the podcast and we're going to figure out and we're going to see. Uh, so hopefully he made it. Hopefully he made an answer 10K, but also all the free press he got because we're all talking about, you know, this. Exactly. Thing. That's kind of what, you know, if I could stress to fighters, you know, not not to step out of who they are as people, but that's part of the game. That's the biggest part of the game. Yeah. Is, is making yourself known outside of just your fight, because when it's all said and done, you're only going to fight, you know, so many times in your life and you got to stretch your name and your brand way beyond that to, to live the rest of your life, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. Good, good for him. And, and uh, you know, everyone else should follow suit. Yeah. We say it here on the podcast. We had Ashley Evans Smith on the podcast and she reiterated something Dana White said, which is uh, you know, being in the UFC is not a career. It's an opportunity. And so similar to what you're saying, yeah, you got to leverage all these opportunities. You got to make the most of your time here, your limited time and leverage that to grow something greater beyond this. So yeah, good on Mike Davis, man. I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, Chris, we're just about out of time. I hopefully after this happens, we're going to transition into my interview with the butcher's daughter, Manuela Marconetto uh, from Italy. She's a fighter that's fighting in Bellator at UF, at Bellator 287, I believe, and I might be saying that wrong, but uh, very excited to speak to her. Chris, I do want to say a little friends of the podcast update, which I normally do, which is just to talk about some fighters that we've had on and how they've recently done. Um, we had Jenna Bishop on. She's a multi-time world champion jujitsu fighter. She's fighting in LFA. 
She fought again last weekend. First round victory, first round stoppage, 4-0 and now for Jenna Bishop. Wow. So she is on track. I know when she was on our podcast, she said her goal was to get on Dana White's Contender Series, dominate someone there, and then make it to UFC. I don't think she even needs to go on Contender Series, to be honest. But fine, if UFC wants to do that, do that. Otherwise, just sign her now, UFC. She's ready, 4-0, and and she's kicking ass. Uh, and I do want to give a shout out to the Rage Works Podcast Network out of New York City. Those are, uh, we're on that podcast network. So that's at rageworksnetwork.com. So check them out for a bunch of other podcasts as well, as well as ours, which is featured there. And Brodo, if you want some edible cookie dough, check out brodo.ca. You can save 15% by using the code FIGHTINSIGHT. So that's some good stuff, Chris, if you want some Brodo. edible cookie dough. Brodo, it's awesome. It's lots of protein, stuff like that. Uh, Chris, before I let you go, my friend, is there anything that you wanted to say uh, to any of the fans, viewers, and listeners of this podcast? Uh, just thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at superheavychris. I make a, you know cool content, and music videos, uh, MMA stuff. If you need anything, give me a call. Scott Coker, Dana White, hit me up. You know, I, I have a lot of ideas uh, to uh, expand on what people are already doing. I know everyone got their crew, got embedded going on, but there's more to do. So so uh, give me a call. I, I ran into Dana in Vegas and we had a good talk. So I hope I'll be seeing him soon. Nice, man. Good luck to you. I really, hey, man, your stuff that I've watched has been fantastic. The quality is top notch, like very, oh, very you. well done. You've got like good fighters behind you, good people around you. So I'm glad for that. Any friend of Trap Gambino's is a friend of mine, Chris. So there you go. Sure. And uh, I hope to talk to you again too, man. Like keep in touch and we'll definitely stay in touch and do some more stuff together as well. And uh, for thanks sure. for coming. Anytime. Thanks. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Just give me a call. Thanks, brother. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I enjoy it. Guys, check us out as always, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Chris. All right. All right, guys, here we go. So uh, we are very happy to welcome our guest today. She is a young prospect with a pro MMA record of 3-1 and one, who next fights on October 29th at Bellator 287 in her promotional debut. Born and raised in Italy, where I just spent my honeymoon. It is beautiful there. She now trains at GB Top Team in London, England. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast. She is the butcher's daughter, Manuela Marconetto. Hi, hello, good evening, everyone. How are you? Hi, Hi Manuela. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Your hair looks so cool. It is way different than any of the photos that we were posting about you. Is it- yeah, to be honest, you will see me each time with different hairstyles. So yeah, I just like uh, to change. Technically. Yeah. No, no, it looks good. Now, uh, like I said, on October 29th, you're fighting in Bellator 287. First time with Bellator, you're fighting in Milan, Italy. How exciting of an opportunity is this for you? Well, I mean, I'm very super excited. Um, for me, it's my dream, little dream that came true because since when I started MMA, my dream was uh, to debut in a promotion. Uh, I, I mean, to debut in Bellator. Um, so for me, it means everything. And then plus, I say, right, I really want to debut in the Bellator by age of 32. And then it's happened. So... I'm, I'm just so happy. I'm grateful for, for it. No, that's amazing, Manuela. And can I ask, you're saying that you're super excited for Bellator. Why, 
Can I ask why you would say super excited for Bellator and not maybe another promotion? Why was Bellator always one? Is it because they're often in Italy? Uh, not really, because, um, well, obviously in, uh, in MMA, there's a very big and good promotion outside of Bellator. But because when I started MMA, I really wanted, uh, I don't know, I was very, very obsessed with Bellator. And it happened, so for me main reason why I'm very super excited of it and and that's because uh, it's it's gonna be in Milan and literally five years ago almost six uh, when I done my pro debut that by the time I haven't uh, had my the I haven't got experience because I wasn't training as professional honestly so I can say that I'm professional now after five years that I'm training in MMA with a professional team and um when I debuted five years and a half ago, it didn't go as I want. So now I want really rewrite my debut in Bellator that is going to be again in Milan, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for it. No, that that's so beautiful, Manuela. And I'm so happy for you. I know when we said that we were going to have you on the podcast, we had uh, Jenica from... Palace Athena, where you had one of your your first pro win was with Palace Athena out in Calgary, yes. out in Calgary, Canada. Jenica says you are the nicest person. She says I am so happy for her. She's such a lovely person. She she made so many positive comments about you. So that was lovely to hear. Uh, the gentleman that runs Eric's Gear, they're a sponsor. They said that you're an absolute monster. They're so excited to have you fighting as well, and hopefully wearing their clothes as well. So. People really love you, Manuela. Uh, they think that you're a great person. It's so nice to see. Is it because you're from Italy and it's so beautiful there? Uh, <laughs> maybe because of that. I don't know. I mean, you know. Uh, okay, so you make me very, very... Um, yeah, so that was a very kind word, you know what I mean? So I really appreciate it. And that make me, uh, make me feel a little bit emotional. Uh, than uh, I am but yeah I think maybe because the Italian people yeah we are sweet and uh, open I mean I'm quite introvert as a person but um, I think also it's um, you know I think it's my, my personality so I'm very super chill and then I think I'm a good person so and well, well, I can say when it's time to be a lion, I'm a lion, definitely. But uh, generally, I'm very, very super calm and uh, a sweet person, I think. <laughs> That's great. No, it's nice. And I do want to put like a little photo here. I showed it to you before, but this was when I was in Italy. I mean, it does not get any more beautiful in Italy. I mean, the people there are so nice. It's so calm. I didn't see any gyms there. Is there a lot of MMA gyms in Italy? Um, well, um, depends. In the big city, yes. For example, like in Milan, um, Turin, Rome. Um, yeah, in Tuscany as well. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, there are very good. Um, there's a very few good uh, team in Italy as well. Okay, nice. But, That's yeah. No, that's amazing. And I know that you're fighting now with Great Britain top team. So you have a fantastic gym that's behind you. 
Um, can I ask one question with Bellator? People always get mad at me and they always ask, they, they, people want to know when you're a young fighter going to Bellator, is it, I, I just said about how people love you, but is it hard to find sponsors or, um, or is that okay? No, I mean, uh, depends which kind of sponsor, because for example, I mean, it's difficult to find sponsor, um, in the beginning, I think just when you are very, very, very super famous and you're very um, known fatter, so maybe it's a little bit easy to, to find sponsor. I mean, from from my little little part that you know, I'm kind of beginner in um, in this sport. Uh, I found some good sponsor. I mean, for example, it's very important also like the rehab path. And then I found very good guys. Uh, they are chiropractor and then they literally check me every single week. And then they helped me a lot for this training camp, uh, which was amazing because if you need to think that for the training camp, you need to think on your training, food, uh, uh, PT station and plus, uh, you know, you need treatment on the top. Uh, it costs a lot. At least, you know, they uh, help me with that. And in terms of all the sponsor, um, uh, another one is Viva Fitness, which is uh, MS training with electrode. So they offer me uh, like once a week in order to um, strength a little bit more my, my body. Nice. Uh, that and uh for a while i had like a meal prep company mm-hmm. but as like uh, someone that maybe help you a little bit financially especially in the beginning is very uh, i mean it's not common to, to find someone yeah so so do you mind if i ask you then because people often get very mad at the ufc sponsorship with venom and they say like oh this is way too little money and like people get really mad at that but one of the benefits, I think, is that, yeah, but then it guarantees it for them and they don't have to worry about finding a sponsor. So, I mean, as a young fighter, are you saying like, yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea because if the company can help me find sponsors, that it, it benefits? Yeah, that would be that would be better. I think, you know, if the company finds sponsor for you, definitely 100% rather yeah. than maybe find by yourself. And obviously, if it's the company that finds the sponsor for uh, for yourself, uh, uh, so they take a little bit more seriously, I think. Uh, they want to collaborate more because they have probably much more uh, exposure. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, that's interesting because I know, like, I've talked with fighters that are amateur fighters and young pro fighters, and then I have, you know, veterans that we've talked to. And so I know everybody's kind of all over the place. So it's interesting that you say that um, when, but for you making your promotional debut with Bellator, you're going to kick ass. You're going to do fantastic. You've got the cool look. So after this fight, what's next for you? Uh, well, let's see. So I have something in mind. I mean, um, I already tried to, to visualize it in my mind 
maybe I would like to fight for something in December. Like uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know um, it's gonna be with Bellator if they will offer me like uh, another fight contract or maybe if I can be like a free fighter that can find the wrong promotion. But maybe I would like to fight for a belt. Nice. Uh, I'm nothing in Bellator because I've, I'm just debuting Bellator. And obviously, they don't really have a, even the, my my weight category. So and then to maybe fight like in uh, I don't know for the belt you need uh, maybe two or three match before that. But I would like to close the year with um, with another match if uh, if I can, and then if I I'd be fine for uh, after my this this coming fight. Love it. So, yeah. That, no, that's great. Now, for people that don't know you, you're a straw weight. So 115? Yes, 115. I mean, you are very muscular. You look very, <laughs> very strong. So, But the 115 division is fantastic. All around the world, there's 115 straw weight division is very popular. So you should be able to find a good fight with some organization somewhere. And with a fantastic win at Bellator... You're going to get sponsors. You're going to get offers for fights. So that's the dream, right? Yes. Yes. That's the nice. dream. That's nice. The dream. And, so, and so one question that I want to ask you is um, at what point, and this is a question that we were asking a bunch of our guests lately, but at what point in your career do you think you'll be able to say, I've made it? Hi. Sorry. So again, one more time. Uh, what at what point in your career will you be able to say I've made it? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, well, so one day it will happen. And uh, thanks so much for the young lady. I mean, I'm not very young anymore. I'm younglish, <laughs> so <laughs> probably I can say another few years because obviously the, um, this sports has timeline. I think uh, maybe. By age of 35, I would I would like to be, um, I can say, more settled and realize with what I want. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, even now. So sometimes uh, I've been uh, going quite a true, uh, quite a lot over these years. So because I pretty much left everything, uh, and then uh, I always get like uh, short notice fights, so I couldn't really. Uh, set up myself properly if it makes sense I was a little bit gypsy so <laughs> uh, no that's true even now but uh, and then sometime I was questioning myself not doubting myself but say right Manuela what you want to do of your life uh, uh, maybe I should focus on something else but eventually my letter happened and then I say, no, I need to, I need to fight. Uh, this is my way. And, you know, I would like to see uh, how far I can go in, in an year. And maybe probably after this fight, uh, I like to dream a little bit, but I think maybe I will have much more uh, open door in terms of sponsorship, connection, uh, also in terms of working. So probably... It will open a little bit, uh, a little bit more of doors, and then probably I can be much more um, stable in my life outside my MMA. Nice. With everything. Nice, nice. And then you're not, and then you won't be a gypsy anymore. You'll yeah. Then I'm 
like the gypsy anymore. <laughs> uh, Manuela, what is something that people don't know about you? What is it? What What is something that people don't know about you? I know you said you're an. I know you said you're an introvert, but what do you What do you like to do? What is something interesting about Manuela Marconetto? What? So, I mean, uh, um, why you Why you want to know? So. Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, so as I'm not just a fighter, but uh, recently start to to start to to go back to uni as well because uh, I I study osteopathy. I've been in and out, in and out a little bit. I've done the first year, then um, I stopped, then I joined again. I done the second, uh, um, the first semester of the second part time. Then I saw because I was competing, and then this year I said, "Right, let me see if I can uh, uh, join full time and do like a university and then my sport, and then try to be a little bit stable with uh, with it." And uh, yeah, so now I join again instead to the part time to full time. So I'm I'm doing the second year. Wow. And. Uh, and in terms of, uh, I don't know, another passion, uh, I'm a fighter as well because I did art of school when I was in Italy. I really like, uh, I really like uh, to draw like um, fashion designers things. Uh, this is what I wanted to do by, by the time when I was a teenager. Then uh, I chose a different career. Wait, uh, you're saying you're saying an artist like drawing? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some uh, some of my um, my things, but yeah. So I I used to to draw a lot. Oh, nice! My young age, yeah. Nice, nice. And, uh, and what do you and what do you do to relax now after your training? You've had hard days of training. What is it that you like to do to relax? Okay, so definitely I want to spend like uh, ten days with my family, chill. Uh, See the um, uh, spend time uh, on the seaside, uh, have a good food, relax, and yeah, this is my aim. what a dream at the moment because uh, I've been in a very very stressful um, time. I mean, I'm enjoying everything, uh, but in the same time, I had uh, also a lot of things. So I really would like. Uh, I'm really looking forward to fight, and then after, I'm really looking forward just to chill with my with my family someday. Spend uh, spend some day with them. That's so nice. And and do yeah. you are and I know that people will probably want to know. Are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Are you no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not married. I don't have a boyfriend. So my last relationship was four years ago, almost. Uh, I mean, I had something. Obviously, I'm, I haven't been single for four years, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I had no relationship. Uh, okay. This last uh, was a little bit. Uh, um, I mean, I will hey. see. I will see now. I'm not thinking as much because uh, my fight is coming. But probably, <laughs> even after my fight, I will, uh, I will ever think about that. But okay, okay I'm, uh, I'm not desperate. I'm not looking no. desperately for a relationship, whatever. No, 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 no. I'm just um, see. I'm just go with the flow sometimes. Happy but, and enjoy. Happy and enjoying enjoying your life, Manuela. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. ha- happy and enjoying life. Uh, are, is last question I'm going to ask you: Your family are they 
surprised that you're a fighter? Do they like it? Are they nervous? Are they supportive? Um, yeah. So, all right. In the beginning, uh, in the beginning, uh, like years, years ago, they didn't really, they didn't really understand me. And then they was thinking, okay, Manuela, you should stop to do it. You should really, really focus on um, on real things rather than it. Uh, but now they they see they see me. I'm joined, and they they see that I really believe in it believe in it so they start to support me a lot my family so they're happy if I'm happy good that's wonderful and wonderful Manuela and I know I told you before uh when because we kind of got cut off before but there was someone that had written in a question and so I'm just going to ask you to one more time before we let you go Jassy2609 said and this is my Italian at work here ciao Hi, Paura del BJJ della Penco. Okay. Yeah, so if I'm scared about uh, the, um, the BJJ of my, of my, of my opponent. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not scared. Um, I'm well-rounded. Um, and uh, I prioritize, I mean, I'm not prioritizing. Yeah, I do like training something because I think every fighter um, has his own style, if I make sense, and also they prioritize what they want to do. But in my case, yes, I do what I love more, but I also try to balance every discipline. So, for example, if I do three-time pads, I would do also another three-time maybe grappling, no gi. So, and then I have a good partner sparring. Um, so I'm not scared. I'm not scared about that. Uh, and uh, say that, I'm not saying that uh, uh, I'm, I'm not worried or maybe I'm better than my, my opponent. I mean, I'm very, very, <clears throat> she's very good. Uh, I'm happy to measure myself with her. Uh, but yeah, I'm not scared. Honestly, I'm not scared. Of course you're not scared. You're the butcher's daughter. And and Manuela, when people come on this podcast, they do very well in their fights. I'm telling you, so many of the people we have on the podcast, they win their fights, they get performance of the night, fight of the night. Wow. You're you're going to do it, Manuela. We have no doubt. So you're fighting on uh October, oh my goodness, I'm going to mix up 29th. this up, but October 29th at Bellator 287. Yeah. Everybody's got to go watch Bellator on October 29th. Check out Manuela Marconetto. Going to kick some butt. Then go enjoy time with the family. Manuela, we hope to have you back on the podcast again one day. I know my guest co- or my co-host, Reggie, is so sad that she didn't get to meet you. She says all the best and good luck to you as well. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Manuela. You. Yeah, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm really happy to be in your podcast. Um, All right. Thanks. (laughs) Manuela, you have some some cool music in the background playing this whole time too. Like you seem very cool, you know, like you just like relaxing, enjoy the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my friend Place. He put some music and... (laughs) All right, Manuela, you take you take care. All the best to you, and we will all be watching and cheering you on, Manuela. Thank you so oh, much. I'm glad for that. Thank you so so much. Thank you. All right, take care, Manuela. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Yeah, it's Timmy B. Prince he's deep. Fight in sight. Yeah, that's right.